My name is Mike. Um, I serve on the leadership team here, and just it's, it's great to finally be up here. Um, as many of you may know, we, we had COVID in our house a couple of weeks back um, and really kind of brought us back down the base. We got young kids, and so it was, it was the whole family. Um, and so the sermon was kind of written more than two weeks ago um, from, be- from our bed um, with small snotty children nestled like squirrels um, around us as, as we did that. But, but what it also has given us is a, a chance for it just to, to settle and, and, and to mature. Um, and so Luke kindly stepped in um, the, the day before I was supposed to preach. Luke just comes up with a sermon, as you do, obviously. <clears throat> um, and then just a reminder that James, um, our James, um, did chapter, James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 uh, last week. And now we're looping back to do verses 22 to 25 of chapter 1 this morning. So why don't you turn with me um, to James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Uh, or we can follow up here as well. Let's read this one together. But be doers of the word, and not only hearers, on, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Let me pray for us this morning. God, God, just really grateful this morning uh, that you are already with us and that you are speaking to us. Um, Thank you that as we sang and declared those words of truth um, in in worship, um, as as you spoke to us, um, God, that um, you are inviting us um, into, into a full life with you, that you speak through all of this and that you speak through us, and this is a great place to do it. So this morning, God, I pray that you continue to do that, that you speak to us this morning through your word. Amen. So we're journeying through the book of James, and we've had a few interspersed sermons, uh, on one-off moments uh, from Luke and from Rigby um, about the advanced global movement and the exciting stuff happening um, in and around the church And then last week, James challenged us around a controlled tongue, around sacrificial care, and a clean life. He also also had a right go at horse riders. Um, I don't don't know if he actually knows that we live in Nurtuk. I hope he's okay. Um, And he also had a go at fishermen. Luke, lucky he went here. Um, Yeah, Luke was away. Um, Anyway, now now we have James, the author, exhorting us not to be bums, uh, warming seats in the church and kind of leave with a half smile on our face and maybe a bit of good intention, but no real follow through into our lives. And James can feel a bit like that, like, like, whoa, stop telling me what to do. But, but he is reminding us that if we see the truth and the wisdom of the word and how it applies to our lives, but we fail to live it out, we're pretty stagnant in our journey. He's pointing out that we could be deceiving ourselves, like hearing sermons and reading books that increase our our knowledge of Christ, but no real inner transformation. We think we're doing well, but it's actually only jewelry on the outside. And remember what Pete Jenkins alluded to so well last week, that this is a letter to Christians. So if you're here looking into the claims of Christ, it's a good context for you to note this morning. It's also helpful to understand that the hearing of the scriptures was an essential part of the Jewish way of life. They would gather in the synagogues, hearing the word of God from the scrolls written by the scribes. But what was assumed here was that they would then put into practice what was read and understood from the word. 
the practice of, of hearing the word continued on in the early church. And of course, this has developed into our own personal devotional reading and studying of the scripture and listening to teaching about the word like we're doing today. So let's, really, let's read that scripture again, and I'm going to use the, the, the Passion version of this. And just for reference, the Passion uh, has drawn some attention uh, recently, some noting it more as a paraphrase than a strict translation. The translator is quoted as saying, we're trying to discover, communicate, and release God's heart through the words we choose. And so that is what I hope will help us in our understanding today as we read this version. So I'll read it up here. Um, Can you go on? There we go. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the face he was born with. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. So we all hear this and we want to be doers of the word, don't we? We want to do the right thing. We want to reach the end goal. But how do we do that? How do we do this thing? How do we get there? And at this point, I feel that we hit a fork in the road, and I'd like to suggest that the way we choose depends entirely on what you believe about your identity. So here's how I propose that we tackle this today, with the goal of understanding how real faith transforms us. We'll look at four points. What you believe about your identity fuels your actions. The mirror, we'll look at the outworking of this, and we'll land with the blessing. So this first point, let's look at what, what you believe about your identity fuels your actions. And whether you want to or not, like a magnetic force, what you believe about yourself drives your direction. It's not really a conscious choice. This, this is um, our dog, uh, Luna, on the left there. And um, she's a two-year-old, well-built barrel of muscles with all the energy and life force that you would expect in a staffy. Not wildly smart, but very tough. This is our friend's dog, Napoleon. He is a lovely thing, but he's also old and deaf and blind. He's as skinny as a rake, and he's about a third of Luna's weight. But the introductory minutes between these two set the tone of their relationship, and it has never changed. Chikai Forest, Luna, seven weeks old. Napoleon snaps, and Luna is just terrified. And to this day, although her outer appearance has radically changed, Luna believes that she is smaller and weaker than Napoleon. She's truly terrified of him. It's, it's hilarious to watch when they meet. She can be resting in the sun, lazy, and then sense movement out the corner of her eye. She opens a lazy eye and sees Napoleon and basically swears in her head and she gaps it to safety. So I'd like to take a moment to compare two beliefs that we can adopt. And I've called them the belief of the orphan and the belief of the accepted child. As Christians, we can, we can carry an, an orphan mentality. I don't have anything against orphans, obviously. In, in fact, there are people group that our community should have at its highest priority to love and to protect and to care for. And, and James, the author, deals with this in, in the coming verses. And James, the horse whisperer, um, did so well in navigating last week and calling us to the sacrificial care and love. Real people 
with real pain. But I hope you'll allow me to use the analogy that because of who they are, uh, orphans carry a certain propensity to, to feel alone in the world. They feel vulnerable, they don't belong, they struggle to feel accepted. And perhaps because of these things, they would feel the need to perform, to be valued. The orphan can very, very often doesn't have a guide in life. And so they do the best with what information that they have. We can, we can be like that. Where the orphan says, let's do this thing. Let's plan. Let's make habits. Let's be disciplined. Let's be clear about where we're going. Let's set achievable goals to get there. Let's smash this thing. Not bad things at all, by the way. They can all be healthy, positive things. See, see the orphan has not been grafted into the inheritance of his family. They often feel that they need to live under their own steam, to kind of white-knuckle it, to fake it until I make it. There's no inner deep sense of belonging, of being known, of being accepted. Often needs to perform. I've heard the word, I, with my own strength and with my own wits, I'm going to make it happen in my life. It's, it's the self-help version of Christianity, and scarily on the surface, it may actually look like it's working certainly feels like it's the right thing to do, and you can quite successfully build something that's stunning on the outside that remains neglected and derelict on the inside. But friends, when we understand the belief of the accepted child, when we know who we are in Christ, it's a different story. We are heirs of identity. Part of our inheritance has become more like the magnificent person of Jesus. When we, accept, when we accept Christ and become sons and daughters grafted into the family with direct access to the Father, it changes who we are. As beloved children, we can, we can reach these, these deeper levels of grace. Isn't that amazing? We can be more vulnerable and we can push into the deep transformational curriculum of God to mold us into people who are becoming more like Jesus. Being a doer of the word requires an inner revelation of the perfection of Jesus. Author and teacher Francis Frangipane says this so well. The gospel begins with the name of Jesus on our lips, but is consummated with the nature of Jesus in our hearts. Our ability to be doers of the word is rooted in our identity in Christ. So white knuckling might, might get us like 10% of the way there, but it's going to burn us out as we go along. But riding the thermal of God's grace and his love and his kindness and obeying him out of intimacy and adoration, that's the stuff I'm talking about. My father-in-law took up um, archery during COVID, and he was explaining to me that the, the quite technical setup of the whole thing, and especially how you carbon arrows versus wooden arrows, uh, and they just, they just shoot differently. They, they, they're lighter and stronger and more accurate, and, and they're actually sized perfectly to the bow and to the strength of it, and so it just, it just flows easier and works. Here are some quotes from people that are way cleverer than me that are probably saying the same thing, but maybe just better. Um, and the first one you'll recognize um, as uh, Luke's uh, man crush here, um, Andrew Wilson from the Gospel Coalition. As I trust God works doing, naturally follow. As I walk by the Spirit and abide in Christ, I bear much fruit. Producing lemons is no effort at all for a lemon tree. It's only orange trees that find it exhausting. Here's another quote um, from 
another man crush of Luke's, maybe. Um, Peace Cazero, author um, and pastor, he's a great guy, and his three different quotes. A person who practices being before doing operates from a place of emotional and spiritual fullness, deeply aware of themselves and others. As a result, their being with God is sufficient to sustain their doing for God. Healthy, and has another one. Healthy Christian disciples and leaders recognize that their presence with God, themselves, and others is their greatest gift and contribution to those they lead. And lastly, what you do is important, but who you are is even more important. So let's move on to point two, and we'll look here at the mirror. And we'll just reread again verse 23. It's in bold there. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. And we'll look at two points here. The mirror reflects uh, where we are at and also who we can become. So James, in the first point here, James gives us a picture of, of looking into a mirror. Now, the purpose of looking into a mirror is to be able to make adjustments, right? It's to take that piece of spinach out of your front of your tooth. Or maybe it is to, to wipe away that, that tasty rib sauce off the side of your cheeks, right, after you've eaten them. But here's the person who goes into a powder room, looks intently at their messy face, sees the mess, and comes back, right back out without using a napkin. They, they failed to address the flaws that have been exposed by the mirror. And it's nuts. And, and James wants us to see how ridiculous this is. This person considers, which gives much thought, more than, just a, more than just a passing glance. The problem, according to James, is the person actually forgets what they've seen. It matters because James is speaking about the deception that he talks about in the text. It gives the appearance of doing the right thing. Maybe even those people, they start well, then they get tripped up, and then they never really kick on to the real point of, of going on in the gospel. It could also depict a, a shallow response to the gospel. Hearing, but, it, but it's just forgotten in the, in the worries of life, and then it just gets drowned out. So how about our context today? The message is so relevant to us today, since we've become such big consumers of content. Undoubtedly, we consume probably more content than any generation of the history of the world. Way more than we could actually ever use, right? So according to the Business of Apps website, Netflix has over 195 million account subscribers. TikTok, the video platform, has had over 3.3 billion downloads and 1.5 billion active monthly users on their platform. And then there's YouTube and a whole plethora of other content providers. And you get my point. Our brains become conditioned just to consume and filter content. So where does our gospel consumption rank? Conditioned like this, the gospel and the scriptures can be relegated to just more information rather than the profound, life-changing truth that it actually is. Another danger is like the foolish person we end up forgetting simply because our lives are, are overloaded with, with content and demands. We need to safeguard against this. Even prioritizing bandwidth in our saturated minds and days to appreciate this powerful truth. The mirror also reflects who we can become. So here's another way of looking at it. What if the mirror is the standard of who we could become? What if the mirror is the word of God? What if the 
What if in this magnificent mirror we see the person of Jesus, the utter breathtaking image of perfection, an ultimate template? So as children of God, we live out our days with the ability to become more like Jesus. The magnificent mirror is our curriculum for transformation. And God's guides becoming more like his son. As a father, God is, God is committed to our journey of change. He's utterly invested in bringing into being the truth of who you are. Rigby, Wallace was saying to us, it's crucial to remember that this deep, deeper work is a precious form of favor. It's what a loving father does, not giving us what we deserve because he canceled the record of debt that stood against us to the cross, Colossians 12, 14. He's lovingly training us in righteousness. What if looking in the mirror both shows us who we are and who we can become? What if looking in the mirror shows us who we are and who we can become? Look at verse 25 there again. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. Is your gaze set deeply on the word of God, in the example of Jesus? Are you fascinated by it? Are you committed to finding out more about who he is and who you are? How do, we, how do we respond to this truth? Are we open to change? Being a doer of the word is as simple as following the prompting of the Holy Spirit as he guides you in the deep work of God in our lives. How open are we to this? Do you feel that quiet tapping on your shoulder? Are you asking God, what do you want to do in me? Are you giving full access to your inner landscape? What about asking God, God, what do, you want to, what do you want me to do with my days, my time, my resources? What about the other parts of doing? Are you open to following God's prompting in life, his mission here on earth? How does that look like in your, in your day to day? Catching a glimpse of this radiance and then walking away and forgetting it would be madness, right? If we look at this with an orphan's belief system, it is terrifying, Right? How on earth do we become like Jesus? He is it. Ultimate everything goal. How, how do I do all the stuff the Bible tells me to do? How do I implement it? How do I action it? And if I'm not sure I'm, I'm not going to be rejected, how vulnerable, how vulnerable can I be? If I'm not safe, I need, to, I need to keep the nasty parts hidden. I need to put up walls to protect the painful parts around me because it's scary. Got all this doing to do, these lemons to grow, thus proving that I'm worthy. At the same time, I need to make sure that this facade doesn't slip. Oh, God, that's a lot to manage. So stop and rest. As children of God, we can rest. We will be beloved no matter what is found inside us. Our only responsibility is to follow his leaning, to lean into his grace, to hold on to truth, to allow him access to every part of ourselves, to be willing to respond in a place of safety, to allow him to guide us in the skill of living and touch every area of our lives, our finances, our relationships, our emotional healing, our service, our mission. Doesn't it feel different? Safer? Like the messiness and the changing is okay. We can come under the work of God's hand. 
So let's look at how this outworks itself. Being, being doers of the word, I think, happens in two places, uh, both the inner and the outer. Let's look at the inner doing first. We live in a stoical society. Well, at least that's the one I kind of grew up in with, the belief that boys don't cry. You grin it and you bear it. Pain is weakness, leaving the body. That was always a good one, hey? Rugby practice. We don't complain. We don't make a fuss. But I think it's become more and more evident as more and more research is being done that caring for the inner man is vital practice. And this message is all over the word. It's, it's been there for centuries. Let's, let's not miss this. Pete Scazzaro, who I quoted earlier, has written a brilliant book. How's this for a title? Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. It's a big title. I'd love to read you a section on this summary um, by Edward uh, Welsh. Let's go together. The Christian life follows certain stages. It begins with the initial enthusiasm that comes from our new knowledge of God. It moves on to new learning and discipleship, and then on to an active life of service. At this point, we often hit a wall, and too many of us are stuck there. We lack contentment and joy. We live with anger and fears and regrets, and our closest relationships are stagnant. God's relegated to our partition areas in our, in our hearts so that daily, non-Sunday life looks much like the lives of those who do not know Jesus. Perhaps we want an less intrusive God who let us do what we want, but perhaps we don't even know where to begin. We don't see how God's words speak to the troubles of our modern lives. Something must change. Change begins, he writes, with taking our emotions seriously. There's been a myth in the church that emotions are unreliable and, do not, and not to be trusted. In response, Kazera suggests that we can wrongly approach emotions by quickly confronting them with the truth. God's in control or trusting the Lord. I will follow what God says rather than my feelings and changing our feelings. I will not be angry. But to minimize or deny what we feel is a distortion of what it means to be image bearers of God. Even more, God speaks and guides us through our feelings by which he seems to mean that emotions point us to important matters that need our attention. And we must acknowledge certain feelings before we can hear what God says about those feelings. How else can Scripture speak to our hearts if we don't know what is actually on our hearts? Once our feelings are known, we find that we have been influenced by our past more than we knew. Life has become duty more than relationship with God. We have no idea how to do conflicts well. And too much of our time is devoted to pleasing others and building our reputations. The book looks to Jesus to find direction on how to be our true selves. Emotions are a very poor slave master, but a wonderful servant. Eh? They help us to see where we need to pay attention. We always tell our children, you are in charge of your feelings. You're the boss of them. You don't deny them. You don't bury them. But you're the boss of them. This is a gift that we have as the children of God and in a family of believers. We can talk about our feelings, and then through the wisdom of the Word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the support of community, we can manage them. Through the wisdom of the Word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the support of the community, we can manage them. Being doers of the Word in our inner selves means that we are anchored to the Word. We are anchored to the truth. We acknowledge our feelings, and then we hold them up to the truth to find healing. Alan Frau, who's a pastor, he's on the global um, advanced team. He's also my former youth pastor growing up. He recently preached on this topic, and he has a little excerpt from his sermon. 
It's not faking it till we make it. It's simply honoring the biblical truth, the unchanging anchor of our souls, above the fickle, fickle realities of who I am and what I feel. The truest thing about you is not what you feel. The truest thing about you is not what you have done. The truest thing about you is not what has been done to you. The truest thing about you is what has been done for you. Let's orbit our very souls around that until that reality lands because even, sorry, even heaven and earth will pass away, but that reality will not change. So the outer doing, as we live and lean into this grace, we find the doing of the word and the other parts of life is actually quite an effortless thing. When we're fueled by an overflow of our adoration of Christ and a deep sense of who we are, we're powered by grace. The outworking of the doing may look similar to the orphan's way, but it's, it's radically different. It's grace-fueled striving. Let that phrase sit with you. Grace-fueled striving. It's not hard work and it looks different for everyone. God's curriculum for me is different for his curriculum for you. He may be talking to me about justice, but also talking to you about financial integrity. Grace-fueled striving may look like plans and goals and going at it hard. Daily disciplined building. It may look like resting and waiting. It may look like interceding on your knees. My guess actually is that it looked like all of those things at different times in our lives. Leslie Newbegin was a British theologian, missiologist, missionary, and author who Rigby quotes a lot. He says, All true witness to Christ is the overflowing of a reality too great to be contained. It has its source in a life of adoration and intercession. Imagine we all lived that way. Here's a real-life example. We have a friend. Let's call her Molly. It's not her name. She's had an absolutely brutal few years. Um, I won't go into details, but it's, kind, it's the kind of real-life pain and brokenness that we probably all fear experiencing. Anyway, in the midst of the storm, she goes and she sits on the, on the roadside in Glen Ken to watch the sunrise and to connect with God. And she's sitting there. A runner comes past and stops and asks, is your name Molly? And she goes, uh, mm, yes. And he says to her, God wants you to know that he loves you and he wants to bring healing to you. Carries on running. For him, this was a small interruption to his day. For her, this was a lifeline to get her through the day. A kind God speaking to her in her pain. Mm. Guys, imagine we lived like this. Imagine what our community could look like. Imagine what our valley could be changed. We're looking at James 1, 22 to 25 today, but I actually missed reading verse 21 uh, in prep. But in Life Group on Wednesday, when we were reflecting on James 26 and 27, we reread the whole of James 1 together. And, and here's verse 21. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It's a powerful piece of scripture that. None of us, none of us want to be filthy and wicked, Right? Right, <laughs> and, here, and here we see a loving and kind God reach down into our souls, our hearts, and plant his word. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And his living water nourishes that. Can I encourage you to fall into him, into his love for you, into adoration, into his kindness? And I encourage you to trust him with your transformation. 
just give him access to all the hidden parts. To be honest with him and yourself. Being willing to do the deep work with him. To be a grace-fueled doer. Be sure of who you are and be committed to what the Lord puts in front of you to do. I encourage you to be a doer of the word rooted in the truth of your glorious identity. What if being a doer of the word like the runner is, it's just pausing and listening. So where does this leave us and land us? The blessing. This section is very short because James is very clear. Let's look at both those scriptures as it ends there. He'll be blessed in his doing. In other version, they experience God's blessing in all that they do. Seems like a win, 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 win to me, right? I have this glorious identity in Christ. He is changing me to become more like him. He uses me to put his fingerprints into the world. I get blessed along the way. Mm, What's not to love about that? Can I ask the band to come up, please, as we respond to this? And I'd love to pray for us this morning as we do that. Jade and Lauren can just start playing. Why don't you stand with me? I'd love just to lead us in a moment of just reflection on this this morning. Um, let's pray together. God, you've already been speaking to us this morning. And for those of us who find themselves, like Luke said, that feeling like you're a hard sponge, that you're just going to be, you'd just be brittle if you were, if there's no, there's no life and moisture in that. For those who feel like they've been striving and striving and striving and getting nowhere. For those who have struggled with their identity and who they are. God, thank you that you reach down into our lives with kindness and grace. You plant your word deep in our souls. And I pray this morning that that would be the truth planted in the hearts of everyone here this morning, of who they are, of how we go about our lives, of who identity God in you, and we learn to, to just be with you before our doing you would be in our inner being and our outer doing that you would transform us this is done in a in a grace fueled striving this morning that you do have a mission here on earth that you do have amazing things for us to do and that we would just pause and listen to you this morning so why don't you do that why don't you pause listen receive Accept the gift of who God is. You are loved. Pray that we would know the fullness, God, of the life that you have called us to. Not just getting through days. Some days are hard. God, we would know the fullness of, of that. Pray your healing this morning. The broken, broken hearts. Don't you let God just work in you this morning? Just let it all go. 
God work. Let's sing these words together.